Hello and welcome to the Chiefs Bros Podcast. It is almost week five in the NFL. And the Chiefs, like we all thought, are two and two. I didn't think that. Uh, I, I didn't think we would lose two games, I gotta admit. But here's where we are. And, uh, you know, Chiefs are back. Yeah. Coming Come off a win. Feeling pretty good. Got a win streak going. Yeah. No longer Wait. a losing team. One, yeah. One is a streak. Yeah, that's that's what that song means to me. Mm-hmm. We're back in the black because we were in the red. We had a negative record. Now we're just solid five and five. We're in the black. Although you know we're the Chiefs, so maybe we like being in the red. Like the red is good. Mm, let's not the... let's not confuse symbolism here. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, it is uh, it is officially spooky season. Ooh, we are. It is indeed multiple days into October. Happy Spooktober to everyone! Yeah, the the days are getting shorter. We're actually looking out at a beautiful sunset over an undisclosed location. Lovely beautiful. in this undisclosed location. So undisclosed. Um, I would posit that even though the Chiefs had a, a wonderful victory over the Eagles, that the Chiefs are haunted. <gasps> oh, that, that was a great gasp. That's that's intriguing. Who yeah. are we haunted by? The ghost of Bob Sutton. Oh my goodness. Bum, bum, bum. Is he dead? Dead? Yeah. No, he's not dead. He was really old. It doesn't mean he was dead. I know. It just. I mean, he might have not looked very lively on the sideline. I can look, look this up now just to make sure. I'm I, sure. I feel really bad if I made a joke about Bob Sutton's going, ghost whenever he's actually to, dead. Is he dead? Dot, dot, dot com? <laughs> I'm just Wikipedia. <laughs> Bob Sutton. I I know he was on like the Falcon staff or something. Just like a Schrodinger's coordinator, where if you don't check it, then he's still alive. But if you do, then you're the one that kills him. <laughs> uh, oh, he's only he's only seventy years old. What a young man! Seventy years young from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Okay, that's a real place. So still alive? Still alive. All right, congratulations, Bob. Sutton. Yeah. still alive, but still haunting us somehow. Yeah, um, because I, I would I would say that our performance last week was Sutton esque. Ooh, you know, the, I hate uh, that you say the, that, but I can't disagree. The bend but don't break, but also break defense. <laughs> yeah, it looked kind of like a Bob Sutton defense, but there's no Marcus Peters. Yeah, barely any corners at all, and we didn't have good linebackers. Yeah, yeah. So we need to we need to find a way to exercise the ghost of Bob Sutton. I think we're doing like what we did last week, where we're kind of front loading the ne- negativity. Because we're going to talk about the offense, and that's going to be great. Yeah, but as much as I like the win, I feel like this is the this is the the forefront thought of my mind for the Chiefs right now. It's not that the offense did great or that we're winning; it's just man, this defense is a real problem. Yeah, and I just don't, I don't really even understand how we got here. I mean, it feels like that the core pieces that were in place in 2019, we had a decent defense, are still there. You know, we still got Chris Jones, still got the Badgers, still got well, we don't have Frank Clark. Yeah, um, not right now, at least. And I guess the, the biggest drop off, if we're just looking at you know comparing when we had an okay defense in 2019 and a terrible defense now, Frank Clark has been injured or out or playing injured. We don't have really two starting corners. Well, our, in, our corners are injured too. Yeah, we got we got Snead, who's awesome. He's he's, he's been great. He's great. Yeah, he had a really good game. Uh, we've got. Ward, and I really, we didn't have Ward or Fenton for this game. Both were injured. We missed them too. We did. I guess I did not really appreciate the drop-off between Ward and, like, DeAndre Baker. Yep. Because it's noticeable. Like, that was... It was rough. That was some of the worst pass defense, like, defensive backfield that I've ever seen at an NFL level. Yeah, Baker was getting picked on. It's like it wasn't there. Mike Hughes was getting picked on. Yeah. It was pretty rough. Which I think Mike Hughes, he's a fine slot corner. He's just—he's um, not being number two. He's okay. Yeah. If he's our worst corner, then I'm okay with it. It's kind of like you know, the corner was always maybe at least not a, not a weakness, but a, a suspect position for the Chiefs. And then it also got ravaged by injuries. Yeah. So I guess we we got to chalk some of it up to that. Um, I think the biggest question is what is going on with the front seven? I mean, was was Damian Wilson the key to the Chiefs' defense? Apparently so. Yeah. Um. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think? Well, going on? I'll just say, first of all, I've got lots to say about the defense, but um, I'm kind of like Kevin Malone from The Office, where, you know, I'm just like, it's just nice to win one here. 
So I'm just kind of like basking in that after two losses. Okay. That's, I'm just, you know, it's just nice to win one. Okay. Um, I will acknowledge, though, that there's pretty big problems on defense. Um, I have a couple questions just to kind of get the discussion going here. Do you think this defense is better or worse than the 2018 defense as it is right now? I, I really do think it's the same. Like the same level. Same? Yeah. It, have, it has kind of the same attitude, too, where it's just like, oh, the offense will bail us out. Mm-hmm. I know that's probably not what's actually not what anyone's actually thinking, but what's what's really strange though is that I feel like this this defense has had a lot more intentional allocation of resources, like monetary and draft capital and position wise. I feel like this the, this defense is not designed to be this bad. Yeah, you know. Well, let's talk about the game a little bit, and then maybe we can get to some roster decisions here. But. Mm. Uh, I kind of viewed this game for the defense as kind of like a one step forward, one step back type feel. That feels like you're going to end up in the same place. Yeah. It, well, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Because there were, you know, some positives you could take away if you kind of squint a bit. Because we to did really squint. Yeah. Uh, we did hold them to field goals in the red zone a couple of times, which was nice. Although you could argue that they should have just gone for it on like, you know, fourth and three a couple times. But we had that. Um, but the problem was that they were getting to the red zone pretty much every time. Like, so easily. Yeah. And you could say, you know, 30 points, and they had one, you know, really garbage time touchdown, so really, you know, in meaningful football, you're looking at about, like, 23 points, which is nice. I'll take that pretty much any time. Mm-hmm. But, like, the manner in which they scored those points and, like, the number of drives they did does not feel, leave me feeling very good. Yeah, it just looked like they should have put 50 on us, the way that they were beating us down the field. Yeah, if it, if it was more of a fast-paced game, it would have it felt that way, yeah. Yeah, I think my real concern isn't so much about the, the final score, because it was a comfortable lead to your point. My concern is, you know, I was willing to give the Chiefs a bit of a pass when we played the Browns and then the Ravens and then the Chargers, because those are all, you know, like upper-tier offenses Yeah, in their own way. Yeah, because we had, we had just watched this Eagles offense flounder against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it felt pretty rough to see our defense get abused by a pretty mediocre offense at best. Yeah, Jalen Hurts carving you up is not really what you want. No. Because that means that guys like Tom Brady or Josh Allen are going to do pretty terrible things to you. Yeah. So, yeah, cause so, for concern. Um, so, what's, what's the problem here? Let's let's get down to it a little bit. Like, what's, what's the issue? Okay, so we've already addressed what's going on with corners. We address the haunting situation. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the metaphysical ailments of our team. How would one exercise themselves from Bob Sutton? Sacrifice Daniel Sorensen. <laughs> oh, okay. That's um, metaphorically. That's I mean, a little dark. Oh, we're not going to physically harm him. We're just going to cut him from just the like roster. Bench him. Yeah. Is that the or metaphorical it, sacrifice? We're going to sacrifice him to Uncle Dave. He can be our special teams ace from now on. Like he should be. That's that's his talent level. Is special teams ace. He's a tryhard. Uh, I. I like him as a backup. I don't even like him as I don't want him on the field. I don't want him having any defensive snaps. So I don't know. I haven't actually watched him to know if he's really been that bad or not. That's what's going on with safety, I think. Um, or, or, I'll tell you this. I am okay with the idea of him being a dime linebacker. No, no, I'm not, because he's garbage in coverage, too. I think what you're seeing is... Basically, Dan Sorensen is playing safety when I'd rather see Juan Thornhill, and he's playing linebacker when I'd rather see Willie Gay. And the reason Willie Gay's not out there is because he's injured. I understand that. But I feel like both of those, if the, both of those guys step up and come in and take that spot, then there are no snaps left for Dan Sorensen. Yeah, okay. I, I see what you're saying, but to me, this defense has way more problems than just Dan Sorensen. Like, he's a part yeah. of it. But there are issues across the board. Like there it's, is, there it's, is. I think he's getting kind of piled on, but I think you could do basically the same thing to all of the players on defense right now. I think that's just, teams. yeah, that's just the most glaringly obvious um, shortcoming whenever you're watching the game. And you, we, you can, even, even as an untrained fan just watching, I'm like, man, that guy does not look like he's in position. He's missing tackles. What is he doing out there? Yeah. And as Chiefs fans, we must pick one member of the secondary to be the kind of the whipping boy throughout the year. The scapegoat. And I guess, yes, the scapegoat. 
And that year it appears as Dan Sorensen. Or this year it appears as Dan Sorensen. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I, I know I saw Thornhill out there a couple times this week. I don't really know what the deal is. No one does, but it doesn't feel like there's any change in his. It's not like he's trending toward taking the spot. It's just like Thornhill's going to play like maybe a quarter or a third of the snaps. He's like our third safety. And Sorensen must be on the field at all times. Because well, yeah, we have two starting safeties, and right now that's for better or worse, it's Honey Badger and it's Dan Sorensen. And whenever we get into packages where we have three safeties, then Thornhill's out there. Otherwise, which, which probably means that, that Sorensen's like covering a tight end. Which, in case you watched the game Sunday, did not work well. Yeah, I told you we were going to have a problem with those tight ends, and we did. Yeah, across two defensive coordinators, the Chiefs still have no idea at all what to do with good tight ends or any tight ends for that matter. Whoever's playing the Chiefs. I started the Eagles tight end. I started Dallas Goddard in fantasy because so, I knew smart. we were not going to be able to handle yeah. him. Uh, okay, so yeah, if we're coming down to like what's wrong with the safeties, the safety the issue is Dan Sorensen. What's wrong with the linebackers? I think <sighs> I know what's wrong with the linebackers. Go for it. They're slow. Yeah, we've got pretty unathletic dudes. I, there was a couple of times I noticed for this game especially, for whatever reason, where I was like, ooh, that guy is slow. And then yeah. I realized that was one of our linebackers, not defensive linemen. Which, you know, we've put a lot of draft capital toward the linebacker position, second round picks the last two years. With Nick Bolton, I'm going to give him a, a bit of a pass here because this is what, his fourth NFL game. Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. He's He was never a burner, even at Missouri. And he's not really, he wasn't drafted to have the role of like a coverage linebacker. Yeah. He I mean, was a, he's kind of our thumper, kind of the Mike type. We, we drafted him to replace Hitchens like, yeah. in a year or two. Hitchens is still there, of course. So now we have two Hitchens. Well, yeah, not immediately. But basically, you're, we're going to work you in, and probably yeah. next year we're going to you know, give Hitchens a nice firm handshake, send yeah. him out the door, and you'll replace him. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah, you've got you've got two slow thumpers in there. In Hitchens and Bolton, neither of whom can really cover very well. And then you've got Ben Neiman, who's basically a Daniel Sorensen clone who he taught to play linebacker. Which isn't a whole lot better. Yeah. Pretty much pretty much everything I have against Sorensen, you can go ahead and copy-paste and apply to Ben Neiman. So, yeah, our linebackers just, to your point, do not have the athleticism needed for today's NFL defenses. No. What's, what's really annoying to me, though, is that they were really bad in pass coverage this week. And last week, they were really terrible in run defense. Or not, not last week, but like two weeks before. So it's mm-hmm. like, what is this group supposed to be good at? Yeah. If we've got some slow thumper types, it's, it's almost like, well, they, they don't have very good gap uh, discipline, but at least they're slow. Yeah, if they were like shutting down the run on a consistent basis and had troubles in coverage, you could understand that. Yeah. But it's like this... This linebacker group right now is the worst of both worlds, mm-hmm. which I know it's not going to be like a silver elixir whenever Willie Gay comes in just to fix all those problems, but it'll help. It'll help a lot, I think, honestly. Yeah. It might not help so much with the run defense because I don't know how good his gap discipline is at this point or his you know, assignment, but he's definitely going to be better in coverage than any of those guys. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the defensive line a little bit. This is This is, to me, the most egregious disparity between resources allocated and performance that we're seeing. I felt really good about this defensive line, kind of like the two deep Mm -hmm. across the board. And I feel really bad about it now. Yeah. So I feel pretty bad about like the one deep. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about Chris Jones. Um, What do you think about the Chris Jones defensive end experiment? Uh, I think it is in its final days, honestly, or at least final weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I was playing football as a sixth grader, I really wanted to play quarterback. Really? Yeah, I did. I did. How um, did that work out for you? I had a coach who was a bit of a jerk, but he, he, he was going to tell me some truth. Yeah, so that's he, a football coach. He pulled me aside and he's like, Andrew, you're going to be a guard, <laughs> but you're going to be a darn good guard. <laughs> and I hated that, but... For one, screw him because I was a center. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> and two, this is this is what this is what Spagnuolo over readers when something needs to do with Chris Jones. Be like, Chris, you're going to be a defensive tackle, <laughs> but you're going to be one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Yeah. I just don't think 
I don't think he's got the speed to play defensive end. I just don't. Feels like he's a liability in the run right now. Yeah. He is. He doesn't, he doesn't never, seem to have a contain down. He's never been like a super elite run defender. He's always been more of a pass rush guy. Mm-hmm. But especially out there on the end, it seems like he's getting exposed. Yeah, we don't have anyone who can contain right now at defensive end, and that includes Chris Jones, unfortunately. Yep. But then his pass rush does not seem to really be effective either. I just don't think he's... I think it's a different skill set needed at edge. It's got to require a whole lot more quickness. Yeah. Uh, and not even quickness off the wall. I'm talking more just like if you get clear of the guy, you got to get around him quickly. Like quickness, bend, the pass rush yeah. moves are different. It's your your speed to the quarterback is much more important. And you have a different caliber of lineman at tackle than at guard or center. Yeah. If, if I, you know, just looking at him during the game, I feel like I'm seeing him trying to bull rush the tackle. That's not going to work. Not working. Yeah. There's there's not, there's just too much distance there too. That's quite a bit more distance to try to push a lineman back. And, yeah, that might work once or twice. Or you might get around a guy. I think he beat someone in the Cleveland game, really just flat-footed beat him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's either he's got to change his style considerably, and even then he still probably does not have the right athletic skill set to play edge. What was great about Chris Jones was he had a very plus athletic skill set for a defensive tackle. So he could beat these guys in the interior with just his brute strength and speed and, and burst off the line. But all that's kind of being negated now with him out on the edge. Yeah, I was initially intrigued about the idea of him being on the edge and what that could look like. I wasn't wild about the idea, though, because in the NFL, um, pass rush is obviously very important. But interior pass rush is even more important than yeah. um, pass rush from the outside. Maybe not more important, but it's more deadly against the quarterback because then you can't do that thing where quarterbacks, you know, they love to step up into the pocket and deliver a ball as, you know, pass rush are getting run around the outside of them. Mm-hmm. But with interior pass rush, you can't do that. Yeah. So it's getting in like an interior defensive tackle that can consistently pass rush is so rare. There are so few guys in the NFL that can do that. And Chris Jones was one of the very best ones. Mm-hmm. So we took a really, really great pass rushing defensive tackle, and we now have a mediocre to bad defensive end. That's exactly what we did. So it's just kind of like, even if it's like neutral across the board, we've still downgraded our defense. And and part of the Chris Jones moving to end bargain was, oh, well, don't worry. We've got Jaron Reed. We've got Derek Nottie. Those guys, they can can handle the middle. This will be a a net positive because we're not even going to lose anything in the defensive tackle. Well, that's been a flat-out lie. Well, okay, here's the thing. Derek Nottie is a run stuffer. Is he? Yes. Like like nominally? Yeah, I mean that is his function. Okay. If if you're asking him for to get it to get pressure on the quarterback, that's not what he does. But that was what we allegedly got Jaron Reed in for. Like that yes. that those moves happened concurrently where they're like, we got Jaron Reed, yeah. now we can try this thing with Chris Jones on the end. It was very much a causality thing where we got him, so now we can move Chris out. And I don't want to this would maybe some stupid analysis here. Probably is, but I'm going to get run with it anyways. Go for it. I have you noticed Jaron Reed at all through four games? I haven't uh, heard his I've name seen called his like once. Number. If I'm thinking, hey, that was a good Jaron Reed play. No, that's yet to happen. I completely forget he's even on the team. I haven't noticed him at all. Yeah. So part of the feel great. Okay. Very quick aside here. I am not a film guy. I am not a strategy guy. But when I see the, the alignment the Chiefs have on passing downs, even even when there's a, a running back in the backfield, it doesn't make any sense to me. They've got like their their ends out outside the tackles, and then the nose tackle or the, the defensive tackles who are supposed to be man in the middle are like on the outside shade of the guard. So you've got this just like enormous double gap, completely empty. And then both like all of our guys will do the thing where they rush around the pocket, and Hertz is free to step up or take off. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, like wide open run through the middle. I have no idea what that alignment's supposed to do. Is, was, that, is that supposed to tempt them throughout the middle? Because it's working. And that was bad enough, but there were times we would see like somebody like Sorensen or one of the linebackers come up to those A-gaps and then pass rush from there. And I said during the game, I would I would rather that dude just stay where he is and just spy the quarterback. Yeah. Just don't pass rush. Just stay where you are, and whenever he scrambles, go get him. Mm-hmm. And I think it, later on they did do that, and it worked out really well. So, yeah, I didn't, it was baffling. It just feels like right now we've got, you know, with Chris Jones out of position and without Frank Clark, 
and sometimes you can even argue with Frank Clark, we've got a bunch of guys who their pass rush move is just to bull rush and try real hard. What you end up with is like five or six blitzers all kind of sort of getting to the quarterback, which is to say not getting to the quarterback. That's my biggest gripe against Steve Spagnuolo. It's not Dan Sorensen. It's not the times where we just man up in the back. It's just his blitzes don't seem to land as often as you would hope Yeah, by a wide margin. And it seemed like they would get home more in years past. I think he just had better They, they really aren't now. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's the real, real strange thing is our talent level should be higher now than it was in 2019 on the defensive line. And the line looks worse. Well, across the board on the defense, I mean, who on that Super Bowl roster defense is gone now? We mentioned it earlier. You got Damian Wilson. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was exactly the star on defense. I think he was more of a role player. Yeah. And you got Kendall Fuller, who was he was he was kind of he was the, okay. He was kind of in the Juan Thornhill doghouse, where it's just like this guy seems good, but he's not playing. Yeah, and he kind of I think at one point he made a switch from cornerback to safety, and and he was okay in that role, but he was yeah. not a starter. And we ended up letting him go back to Washington. Mm-hmm. So I mean. I just don't understand it. Like, all of those players that we had before that made the defense good are still here, mm-hmm. and they should know the defense really well by now, but it's just not clicking. Yeah. So, if we're going to fix the Chiefs defense, you and I, what moves are going to make? Uh, oh, that's tough. It's a lot easier just yeah, to criticize me, people. Can we tell you what I would do? <laughs> First off, I think we've got to count on, on better health because we've got at least four starters out right now. Yeah. We've got Frank Clark, Ward, Fenton, Fenton's borderline, uh, and then Willie Gay. So getting Frank Clark back and getting Willie Gay back, I think are going to make a big difference. Especially at least Frank in the run defense and then Willie Gay in the pass defense. Or like, you know, covering tight ends or covering anyone. I would move Chris Jones back to uh, interior of the offense or the defensive line. Yep, agree. That one makes a lot of sense. Now, what's tough there is the the other defensive ends on our roster are like Alex Okafor, Joshua Kando. Actually, I think the best one would be Mike Dana. He actually seems to be playing pretty well right now. Yeah, I think he he was one of the few he, defensive players that seemed to have a good game. Yeah, uh, Kando seems like a disaster to me. Like he does not keep coverage at or keep contain at all. He's like getting washed out all the time. Mm-hmm. And Alex Okafor is just he's replacement level. Also, he had a really dumb penalty in this last game. Yeah. Pretty dumb. Yeah. So that's how, as I'm going to fix the defensive line is, you know, Frank Clark comes back, Chris Jones shifts back to his, <laughs> his natural position. Do you get the, now this is, this is before your time. So the Chiefs used to have, before Eric Fisher, they had Brandon Albert. And he was a guard, but he got drafted and the Chiefs moved him out to tackle. And he mm-hmm. was our left tackle for five years or so. But every, like every off season or throughout the season on like the message boards and blogs, everyone was talking about he needs to move back to his natural position at guard. And then we'll draft a real tackle. Yeah. So that just became a running joke was his natural position. Oh, he needs to move back to his natural position of punter or whatever. <laughs> so now we're having the natural position discussion with Chris Jones. Just, it's just good old times. Um, and then, yeah, Swanson, man, it's, it's, it seems so simple. It's one of those things that you, you, as a fan, you look at it and like, why on earth would you not play Thornhill over Swanson? What do you possibly have to lose? No idea. It's just a complete... It's almost enough to make you think there's something else going on here. Something we don't know about. Something we don't see. Maybe Tornhill is just stone cold stupid. But that hasn't shown up on the field. I mean, that guy started for us as a rookie. Yeah. What, what could possibly be worse about him now? He was really good as a rookie year. I mean, I know he got injured, but does it take two years to get over injury? Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird situa- situation. Yeah, I don't know. Here's a question for you. You're the Chiefs. Do you make a trade for a corner? Um, hmm. Is that even our like position of most need right now? I think so. I think it's linebacker, but but we can't really. I mean, what trade are we going to make that's going to upgrade linebacker right now? Well, I mean, what trade are we going to make for a cornerback? I think I think if everyone is healthy and performing at their talent level, the corner or the linebacker position is better than the cornerback position. I think corner is just a glaring weakness right now because we've got – it's kind of like um, – I don't want to compare Hill and Snead, but you know how with wide receiver – we're going to get into this here in a minute. But with wide receiver, you got Hill and then you got a bunch of Jags. It's just like these guys are all okay, but none of them are really going to distinguish themselves. I feel like that's what the corner group is. You've got Snead who's going to be like 
probably at one of the best starters in the league eventually at corner, I think. And then you've got just a bunch of like mediocre starters, like guys who might may or may not be starting on other teams. So I think we could use a number two corner, but that's just me. Two things we haven't even talked about, but are pretty glaring weaknesses. Um, just like tackling, just like simply tackling dudes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's important on defense. Yeah. And I don't... Tackle better. People say they clean that up, but it's like, what What are you going to do? Tell them to tackle? Remind them to tackle? Hey, that's what I said last week. Play better. Yeah. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> Coaching's easy. Yeah. Uh, on a more, like, serious note, just like watching our linebackers and really a lot of defensive players, feels like they're playing very, um, pardon the pun, but defensively where they're just kind of waiting for the ball carrier to come to them. They're kind of playing like they're afraid of missing a tackle. Yeah. And they're just not, I don't know, they're not They're not playing with, like, aggression. They're not, you know, charging forward and meeting the ball carrier and smacking into them. Yeah, and I can't figure if that's because they are aware of the deficiencies in their ranks or in their performance and they're, like, kind of in their own head about it, or if it's because it's a mindset of, I don't have to do well. I just have to try and screw up too bad because yeah. that's the way the defense, that's the role of the defense on the Chiefs. It just, yeah, it feels like our defense is just perpetually back on its heels, you know, yeah. on the ropes. Uh, so that's one thing. And then I don't know because I'm not a big X's nose guy, especially when it comes to like secondaries, but it just seems like watching the game, the defensive backfield in particular was had lots of miscommunications didn't really seem to know what they were doing on certain plays. Yeah. That's still a huge problem, and it becomes even worse whenever the other team does a bunch of hurry-up because they know that we're not communicating well and don't know our assignments. So they'll make it quick so we don't have time to think or communicate about it. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, you did have, like, Baker and, like, the Kepper Boodle saw some snaps yesterday. Mike Hughes, guys who were still kind of learning the defense or, you know, weren't on the team a week ago. So... I think that's some of the miscommunication, but it feels like, you know, Dan Sorensen, part of the reason he's in there is because he's supposed to know the defense inside and out. And if he's out of position, again, why is he there? I've yet to, just looking for redeeming quality quantities for Dan Sorensen, not finding it. Hmm. We have talked a whole lot about the defense and how terrible it is. Yeah, just to put, kind of wrap this discussion up in a bow. Um, well, I have two questions for you. First okay. of all, how far do you think we can make it with the defense as it currently stands? If we were to start the playoffs tomorrow, mm-hmm. how far do you think we can make it? I think we'll get knocked out by the first good quarterback we play. Ooh, rough. Yeah. I think that's fair. I I I was thinking about this earlier, and to me, it feels like it's a 2018 defense where, yeah, you could probably win a playoff game and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe keep it close in the AFC Championship game, but I'd be surprised if you can make it to the Super Bowl. Much less oh, win yeah. it with the, the way the defense is playing now. Yeah, they are not playing at Super Bowl level. I mean, think again. Think about the 2019 um, team in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. If the defense had played this badly in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. there's no way we are even close to winning. No. I mean, if we don't... Yeah. I don't want to get too much into the preview, but if we roll that same defense and same level of talent and effort out there next week, we're going to get rolled by the Bills. Yeah. We'll talk about that more, but yeah. concerning. All right. My secondary question, kind of a follow-up to that, is um, do you think that this defense can improve? So we agree that like it's not good enough to win a Super Bowl right now. Do you think it can improve to the point where it is good enough, similar to what happened in 2019? Oh, boy. Uh, for one, I don't think you have as many new pieces. That's 2019, because that's when they just redid the defense. Like, Chris Jones was yeah. about the only starter total, back. Total overhaul. Yeah, so I gave him credit for, you know, really learning the defense throughout the year and improving. I don't know how much learning the defense is going to help now. I guess you've got a lot of a lot of new pieces in there, like some, some new corners, new linebackers um, that are still learning, and that, that could make it up a little bit. But I think that you don't really have – how do I put this? The talent deficiencies that are hurting the Chiefs right now aren't going to go away. It's not. It's not going to get better. I don't think from that perspective. 
I think the best thing we can hope for is just getting healthy and staying relatively healthy. Yeah, I I would probably take a different direction just to like answer my own question. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they can improve some of their 2019 because I think a lot of the main issues that we're facing are not like a talent deficiency because this I really believe this defense is talented enough to not be this bad. It's like right now we're playing like a bottom five defense in the league. And I really don't think we're that bad. Like we should, we should not be playing as bad as like the you know Falcons, yeah, that, or Jags, I mean, that's, or someone. That's not what we've paid for. You know? No, no. So I really do think they can improve upon like really simple stuff like tackling, um, communication. And I don't know if that's like a matter of Spag's scheme being a little too complicated or like too slow to get calls in or something like that. This is year three of his defense. Yeah, I know. I just don't I understand that. I know. But I, I guess I still I wouldn't I don't know about faith. I think I would call it hope that they can improve and get better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I have. Let's do that. Is just faith. So I have faith that Bolton and Gay can get in the defense and get better. I have faith that we can get guys healthy that are going to make a difference. I don't have a lot of faith in us learning the scheme better or the scheme getting better. Do you think we could? Because we don't need a dominant defense. We don't even need like a very good defense. We just mm-hmm. need it to not be terrible. Yeah. I think we could get there. I think we could get there. I think the we could maybe even get up to average. Which could be enough to win a Super Bowl. But I we'll, don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That's that's kind of gonna be one of my things I'm keeping an eye on this season is is the defense able to improve? Because if it's not, we're gonna be in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Any more defensive thoughts, or can we switch to the much no, happier am, topic of the I offense? Sick of t- talking about the defense. The offense finally did what <laughs> we've been hoping they could do all year. They put up 40 points or more. Heck yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I want to talk about it a little bit because whenever you see 42 points, that's mm-hmm. a lot. You know, that's, that's a good day at the office, right? Yeah. Do you know how many drives it took them to do that? All of them. Well, okay. We yeah, didn't punt. but numerically. Seven. Seven. There were eight total times that the Chiefs possessed the ball. One of them was at the end of the game. We were just kneeled it out. So, mm-hmm. you know. Top, didn't count. Yeah. Toss that one out. So, seven real possessions where we had an opportunity to go score points. Mm-hmm. We scored a touchdown. Not a field goal. Touchdown. Seven points on six out of seven of those. That is a that pretty is good conversion rate. insane. I mean, I'm not a big stats guy, but the one <laughs> stat I do care about is QB wins. <laughs> only if we're talking like, I don't know, Jameis or somebody. But no, the only stat I really care about that much is like points per drive on offense mm-hmm. and then, you know, points given up per drive on defense. Because to me, that's like when you really get down to it, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of how you win football games is you got to score more points on the drives that you have than the drives that they have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, scoring a touchdown on six out of seven drives if you could do that, like you just you will never lose, even with a terrible defense. Mm-hmm. So it was it was nearly as close to a perfect game as you could have for the offense. Yeah, and even the interception really wasn't that bad. Like I don't I don't really put it on Mahomes. He was kind of in the process of getting sacked while that happened. Yeah, I mean you you could probably argue he should have just kind of tucked that one down and taken mm-hmm. the sack. Uh, I don't I think it may have been a case where he wasn't really expecting to get hit as soon as he was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the one little wart on an otherwise perfect day. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say on the offense. Um, let me ask, what do you think we learned about the offense? Oh, I learned a lot about the offense. Yeah, what do you think? So, we talked about after the Chargers game, it was all about, you know, we were putting together really good drives. We kept just turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. And whenever a defense is going to play us really, you know, put a roof on it, make us go these long drives, you got to execute. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They did. I mean, every drive that... It wasn't big explosive plays most of the time, mm-hmm. but every single time it ended with seven points. That's what you got to do. I think you saw what we kind of talked about in our preview podcast, which was that the Eagles will try to put a roof on it, but they don't have the personnel to do it. Not not the whole game. Yeah. 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 I, and I think what you... Or at all, really, because we scored every time nearly. Yeah. And this is another thing we talked about. Whenever they finally did get tired about being, you know, 
death by a thousand paper cuts moving mm-hmm. down the field like that. And they finally did start throwing their safety down, safeties down a little bit. That's whenever we immediately, you know, popped a couple big plays to Tyreek, made him pay for it. Yeah, that's interesting way to put it because the whole put the roof on the defense is about making the Chiefs be patient. Yeah. And waiting until they, you know, either become impatient or, or make mistakes. So basically our, our counter to that is we're going to dink and dunk and run you down the field and we hope that you cannot stay patient on that and you'll start to get a little aggro. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is. It is kind of like a kind of like a game of chicken, like who's gonna mm-hmm. blink first? Are you gonna make a mistake or are we gonna get impatient on See, defense? In both those situations, what's happening is what both teams want to happen. The Chiefs are moving down the field slowly and the defense is preventing a big play. The longer that goes on, the more the, the kind of the patience impetus moves to the defense. So the yeah. longer we can keep kind of hold that pattern, I yep. think that'll eventually shift where the defenses get more aggressive as the game goes on. It's all about if we can do it without making mistakes. That's why it didn't work against the Chargers. One, they had better personnel, but also we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, and they're basically gambling that we're going to make you take like 12 plays, seven minutes to go down the field, and we're mm-hmm. going to gamble that at some point you're going to make a mistake, you're going to get a penalty, a turnover, mm-hmm. something like that, and then they'll be able to exploit it. And on Sunday, we just, you know, played really played really well. Never let that happen to us. Yeah. You know what I learned was that the Chiefs' interior offensive line is for real. Because oh, yes. we played two of the better defensive tackles in the league. Yeah. And you wouldn't even really know it. I mean, we were able to run the ball up the middle. We had great protection, a good pocket, at least. Well, the interior line had great protection. Mm-hmm. Lucas Niang had a rough day. Yeah, he was he's, struggling over there. He's got the and, – and Brown. Brown had a couple – Bad misses on his blocks too, but uh, that's where I think you're see, you're going to see the steepest uh, growth curve if anyone on the line is Niang. He seems to he seems to be struggling. Again, I wish I'd give him a little bit more help um, with chips and stuff, but as it is, you know that's just kind of something we're going to have to watch out for. Something I saw time and time again was last year whenever we would get in situations where it was third or fourth down and we needed like a yard or two to get a first down. And we could not run the ball mm-hmm. to get that down. We had to resort to some kind of trickeration or pass play or something because we just we get stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And this year we can't. We can get two or three nasty yards whenever we need them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem like that may not seem like a huge deal, but in terms of like continuing your drive, it's massive. Yeah, I think it's a huge improvement that the offense has seen from last year. It's a big deal. It really is. Um... Had some fullback dives, had some halfback plays. It, it seems like that situation is working out a whole lot better. And it kind of takes the pressure off the offense to constantly get a first down on first or second down. Because then you can live with third and short, which is supposed to be that's supposed to be a make will down for most teams. It was funny last year, you almost felt better when it was third and long. Because then it's like, okay, well, Mahomes will get it for us. At least we're not going to try to run it. It's when it's like third and one, you're like, oh crap, here comes yeah. a you know rush for minus one yard. Mm hmm. Speaking of relying on uh, wacky tricks and stuff, we had another installment of uh, Chiefs Goal Line Theater. Oh, yes. My yeah. favorite production. I knew something was up as soon as I heard, like, Mahomes really getting after Kelsey. Yeah. He's like, yeah. inside, inside. Yeah, he's like, gesturing at him. That's not the way he does that. He's mm-hmm. just like, he won't, he won't get mad. And then, Ty, or then Travis, you know, he saunters over with his yeah. hands up and is like, oh, what's going on? And what's tricky is, I've, I've told you guys this before, but any time that um, Travis looks really nonchalant before mm-hmm. a play or as he's going in motion, that probably means he's getting the ball. And I think it, it kind of faked out the defense because they see all this, and if they did catch on to it, they're thinking, oh boy, the ball's going to uh, Travis. Mm-hmm. But then, nope. Nope. That was the Jody Fortson special. Yeah. All, I swear, all Jody Fortson does is catch touchdown passes, but almost drop them. He's kind of like a slightly better version of Demetrius Harris. Because Demetrius Harris would catch all the, make the wild catches, but then when they were nice and simple, he would drop them. Yeah. And now Don't Jody, Jody Forsen's like, yeah, he, he will almost, he has a lot of almost drops. He will nearly drop, but still catch. Hey, as, long as, as long as the almost drops keep being catches, I'm okay with it. Yeah. There was a moment, though, during that play where I saw like the ball just floating with no one touching it, <laughs> and my heart skipped a beat. Yeah. Um, let's see what else with the offense. 
I still so the the way to beat the Chiefs' offense allegedly, purportedly, is to shut down Kelsey and Hill. And the Eagles really did shut down Kelsey almost completely. He did not have that big a game, at least on the stat sheet, right? Yeah, it was pretty small. I but Tyreek freaking went off. And what's encouraging about it was it wasn't just a whole lot of big plays. He had a couple of big plays, but for the most part, he was just like moving the sticks. He was almost our possession receiver. Tyreek had like the most quiet 180-yard and three-touchdown games yeah. of all time. Yeah, when they started showing his yardage total, I'm just like, seriously? Yeah. Which it, he- it just... It, accumulated slowly over time. He did have that one really big play towards the end of the game where they were kind of in desperation mode to get a stop and Mm -hmm. we made him pay for it. But yeah, other than that, it didn't, didn't, you know, it was just a bunch of little passes, but added up over time. So let me ask you this. Assuming you can't do both, would you, as a defense, rather shut down Kelsey or Tyree Kill? (sighs) That's a really good question. Um... I think it would probably depend on the confidence that I have in my offense. Mm-hmm. Because shutting down Kelsey is probably preferable, but Tyreek has those really explosive explosive plays. Mm-hmm. So if I have a, like an offense that like I cannot get behind, I'll probably shut down Tyreek. But otherwise, if I believe that I'm going to be able to score points and we can give up a few big plays, I'm shutting down Tyreek. Kelsey, because he's our possession receiver. Yeah, I also feel like it takes more resources to try to shut down Hill. Because you've got to be able to cover a wider space. He's so yeah. much faster. you got to put a cornerback on him, and then you got to have a safety plane him over the top every single play. Yeah. Whereas with Kelsey, I don't know. He's almost always in line. Or not, not almost always. I mean, he, he splits it around, but he's just not going to get as deep as Hill. Obviously. Kelsey's just like one of the biggest mismatch people in the NFL. Yeah. Because if you put a cornerback on him, he's going to be too small to tackle him. If you put a linebacker on him, he's not going to be elusive enough to cover him. It's just like, what do you do with this guy? Let me tell you what doesn't work. Uh, putting a linebacker on Terry Hill. No. He just really found that poorly. out firsthand. I don't really know what was supposed to be happening there, but that was hilarious. <laughs> it wasn't that. You just know the linebacker is like looking across and like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. Yeah. And did predictably. Also, on the offense? must be said, yeah. run defense looks sharp for the second week in a row. Sorry, I run offense. Oh, run offense. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, we, we talked about that. Um, let me read you some stats here real quick. Please. Some next-gen stats. Oh, boy. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 14 carries, 102 yards, averaging 7.3 yards per carry. That's pretty darn good. And that's with basically no breakaway plays. Mm-hmm. Not really, not really. No. He, has, he has some good long, like, eight, nine-yard runs. He's not fast enough for a breakaway play, but <laughs> trying to stay positive here. Yeah. We were running the ball really, really well. Uh, what was his receiving stats? Um, typing it into the computer, beep, boop. Two receptions for 12 yards. Okay. And a uh, touchdown. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that was one of those pitches. Yeah. yeah. I felt like there was at least one play where he had a really nice catch on like a wheel route or a screen or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just, I remember that one. That's the biggest mystery to me. Is like they talk him up so much as a pass catching threat, and it just hasn't happened at all much this year. Yeah, I I may have said this in the last podcast. I still think it's a matter of Mahomes just really doesn't like to check down mm-hmm. because there's usually another throw that he can make and it'll work. So I, I think that's why. Maybe it'll happen eventually. I'm just I'm just curious about why it hasn't yet. Yeah. He should go play for the Steelers. You get like 20 perceptions a game. Oh, my goodness. Big Ben loves to check it down now. See, is he the new captain checkdown? Oh, yeah. He's like upgraded. He's like Admiral checkdown now. No. <laughs> it's the, the sinking ship that has been Roethlisberger. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. All in all, I've, I've got to try to stay positive. I, I know I shouldn't focus on the defensive. Well, yeah, we shortcomings. Did, we'd start really negative again. Yeah, after a win, we got there though. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a whole lot about it, like the the perspectives for the year based on the Bills game. Yeah, it's gonna is a would you call it a measuring stick game for us? I think so. Yeah, I mean, mm. I don't at this point I don't think anyone's thinking we're just going to come in and and destroy them. Yeah, unless they bring like their game that they did against the Steelers. But if we can. 
fighting really tough, you got to win, then I think we still got Super Bowl potential. If we lose to the Bills, then we've just got a whole lot to work on between now and the playoffs. But that's for next podcast. Yep. For now, um, how about some game balls? Okay, let's do it. Okay. Wait, hold on. Can we also pass out blame balls for the defense? Yeah, that seems fair, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I think they earned it this week. They had nothing to do with the win. Yes. Okay, that's not totally fair. Go, go ahead. All right, so my first game ball, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to Tyreek for the insane performance that he had. He and for being very patient whenever we had two weeks in a row where he was basically silenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of... um. That's kind of the nature of the Chiefs offense right now is that there's going to be someone go off and it might not always be you, but you're going to have your day. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll give my game ball on offense to Clyde. Because Clyde had a great... I mean, he like This is the second 100-yard game, right? He's starting yeah. to look like second in a row. the player that we drafted him to be. Definitely. And I think a lot of that has to... Maybe this is a... This is a... Uh, Adjacency game ball to all of the offensive line, especially the yeah, interior, because that's probably fair. I think probably the increase in production running you're seeing is improvement from the offensive line. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give one to Andy Reid mm. for his 100th win as a Chief. Congratulations, Andy! The only, the only coach to win 100 wins with two different franchises. Mm-hmm. I don't. We don't normally do this, but I want to give. Um, the Oscar Ball, which is our new acting category, to Travis Kelsey ah. for uh, his part in the tragedy of the goal line miscommunication. A beautiful performance. <laughs> A harrowing tale of <laughs> one quarterback yelling at his uh, dim-witted tight end. Uh, I think you are familiar with my annoyance for whenever people um, say that they got too cute anytime a trick play doesn't work. Yes. So from now on to counter... That mentality. Every mm-hmm. time there's a standard like goal line handoff that doesn't work, mm-hmm. I'm going to say they didn't get cute enough. You got to be. But I'm trying cute. to get that going. Yeah, a little bit of cuteness goes a long way. Yeah, it's not too cute. Mm-hmm. Also, if it works, then it's not too cute. If it doesn't work, it's got too cute. I think that's what annoys me. Is it's like in that mentality of like, oh, that play worked, good play call, or <laughs> ooh, that play didn't work, bad play call. Yeah, I uh. think so too. Uh, let's see. I don't think I have any other game balls to give out. Let's move over to the lame balls. Okay. Yeah. Real quick. It says so much about Mahomes that we're not giving him one. He had five touchdowns. I mean, yeah. That's insane. I mean, he was awesome. Outside of one pick, he was awesome today. And they were from like all different arm angles. And we're just like, we're so used to that. And it's such like standard operating pr- procedure. But yeah, we're just we're just kind of used to excellent quarterback I play. I think it's on him for making it look too easy. <laughs> he needs to try a little harder. That's all I'm saying. That's why he does the arm angles. <laughs> trying to make it look harder. Oh, uh, goodness. Um, okay. So the blame balls. Oh. I think I'm gonna give my blame ball to Chris Jones. Hmm. For um now, kind of differentiate it here real quick. Are you giving this to the defensive end Chris Jones or the defensive tackle Chris Jones? Well, all we have is defensive end Chris Jones right now, right? Yeah. Yes, the defensive end Chris Jones. Ah, okay. If it's like a Jekyll and Hyde situation, no. If he goes back to defensive tackle, he is uh, he is free of my blame ball. Hmm. No. Do you have anyone you'd like to blame? Um. Yeah, I want to give one to the linebackers for being too slow. All of them. Please be faster. Yeah. It'd be nice. It would be nice. This is like the third year in a row I've heard that Hitchens is faster. Yeah, which I, I could have sworn he was, but I did think there was one play where like I saw him chasing down, I think it was a wide receiver, mm-hmm. so not exactly expecting him to close on, but it was like, holy smokes, that guy is a lot faster than our guy. Okay, here's the question. So in, I think it was 2019, the Chiefs had a big free agent class. Got Sammy Watkins. Yep. Anthony Hitchens. Mm-hmm. Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. Which of those do you think has worked out the best? And don't, oh, don't and, and Honey Badger. Yeah, but Honey Badger, he's worked out. Oh, yeah, obviously. We got we got to leave him out of this discussion. A plus. 
don't don't say oh we want a Super Bowl so it's oh okay that's that's a cop out. <laughs> of those three, like like rank the success of those three pretty dubious contracts because to me they're very similar. You, you overpaid oh, for positions of need, and the return has not been commensurate with that. I think. Yikes. Um. I don't know. I feel like they're all pretty close. I guess I would say that Frank Clark probably worked out the best. He did at least like in the playoffs. He was a presence because he had he had flashes of being like the guy that we mm-hmm. hoped we were getting in 2019 at least. I don't think Hitchens ever had that. And Sammy, I guess maybe you could say the same thing where there were moments where it's like, oh, that's why we got that guy. But then also seems like about two thirds of the time he was here, he wasn't even on the field. Yeah. Well, that's kind of getting to be Frank Clark, honestly. Yeah. He, he, the yeah. guy's banged up pretty frequently. True. I think, yeah, I, I would put Sam. I don't know. So I guess I'm going Clark, Watkins, and then Hitchens at the end. I feel, yeah. I mean, Watkins was really instrumental to that Super Bowl year. Like down the stretch of the playoffs, he was amazing. You could say the same about Frank Clark. Yeah, you can. I, I, put, I might put them in the same tier. Um, with Hitchens, it's just like, like I think I don't know the exact cap numbers, and I'm not going to look it up because this is an amateur podcast. But I think we're paying in something like 15 or 16 million this year. Mm-hmm. We were paying Damian Wilson like a million, and I think they played about the same level. Well, it, it's crazy whenever you look at, like, Hitchens is one of the top paid linebackers, and it's yeah. like, oh, yikes. And then Frank Clark is one of the, like, very highest defensive players, period. Mm-hmm. Which, ooh, yikes. And then Watkins was also a top paid wide receiver. And we gave up capital, draft capital for Frank Clark. Yeah, oh, that that one hurts. Yeah. That one hurts. It does. I, I don't think any of those guys, I mean, obviously Watkins has gone... Um, I think Frank Clark is cuttable at the end of this year, but his contract is no. Yeah, this this is the year where we really take the cap hit for him. Yeah, it's like you look at his cap hit this year, it's insane. It's like thirty something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, we're kind of paying for past years this year. So I think after this year, he's probably gone unless something crazy well, happens. And- I think hopefully he'd be open to a restructure. I don't know if he would, but that's more of a position need. We've already drafted Hitchens' successor. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything at defensive end outside of Frank Clark. That includes Chris Jones, because in my mind, he's already a defensive tackle again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a long way off. That's off-season discussion. This is a this is an in-season podcast. This has been kind of... Um, I hate the 17th game, but this, to me, is still kind of like the quarter mark. We're kind of like... We're looking at like the first month of football and yeah. kind of how it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's... It's appropriate for a little roster discussion at this point. We'll, yeah, we'll that pick it up again in you know November. Twenty four point eight seven three five two percent of the way through the season. Or however that breaks did down. Did you just make up those numbers? Is that actually how that works out? Oh, I calculated it in my head. Good for you. Yeah. All right. So Chiefs victory. We're all feeling pretty good about the Chiefs right now. Two and two. Heading into the Bills week. Our Bills preview podcast will be um, on probably Thursday or Friday of this week. But in the meantime, uh, let's extend our, our review into the AFC West, of which the Chiefs are still, I believe, in last place, even if we're a 500 team now. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the breaks. Um, so we saw the Broncos get what they deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely look like paper tigers right now. Yeah. Got beat up pretty good by Lamar and the Ravens. Yeah, whenever the calendar flips over to October, mm-hmm. you know what October is? Spooky season? It's also it's it's spooky season, mm-hmm. but it's also pumpkin season. Yeah, pumpkins because of Halloween, but also because this is when teams start turning back into pumpkins. Mm. And that's what happened to the Broncos. Maybe this is like so. You know, the, the the carriage that becomes a pumpkin is drawn by horses. Yeah, so maybe the horses also become. Wait, no, hold on. I'm mixing this up because I think in Cinderella the rat the uh, the Broncos. Sorry, the horses were rats. <laughs> I'm so confused. No, right now. yeah, no, like, like, no, you know, no, I, the, I know what you're whole, saying. The whole fairy godmother, like the horses, she like, takes some some of the rats, okay, and so turns them is, into horses. This is the season when the Denver Broncos turn back into the Denver mites. I prefer rats, but yeah, yeah, they are rats, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. So she's Shanahan. Yeah, and 
Okay, to be fair, uh-huh. they had a lot of injuries, particularly at quarterback. I think Drew Locke came in and he looked very much like a backup. Yeah, but they ain't scoring another 21 points with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, the, uh, I, did not, I did not think they were going to win that game regardless, yeah. but it looked pretty ugly with the injuries they had. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of what I expected from the Broncos all along. My favorite part of that game, I didn't watch any of it, but my favorite part of it, like the reports, was uh, the Ravens apparently ran the ball late up multiple scores trying to get some meaningless Yeah, so stat, right? they have this streak of like 50-plus games, I don't know exactly what it is, mm-hmm. of getting 100 rushing yards every game. Mm-hmm. And if they got it... One more game of 100 rushing yards, they would tie the NFL record, which is like, I think it's like 56 games, something crazy like that. Okay. And they were sitting at 96 yards. Mm -hmm. And so on the very last play of the game, they hike it and Lamar runs around the left and they pick up like five, six yards Mm -hmm. and they keep their streak going. On the other side of the field, Vic Fangio grabs his headset and throws it down in anger. Have you seen that clip? <laughs> I have, yeah. It's it pretty was, funny. It was wonderful because I think that guy's kind of a doofus and to see him so <laughs> mad is great. And then he has a press conference today where he like very emphatically calls them out on it. <laughs> Saying that like they don't care about player safety and it was bull crap except he didn't say crap. I honestly think this is dumb for both sides because who the flip cares about the 100-yard rushing game record? That's like such a next-gen stats kind of meaningless thing. John Harbaugh. That's it. Oh, I guess. I mean, that, that's that's what every coach is supposed to not care about. Like, like, mm-hmm. like if your team has, like, what was it, 15 wins, or now I guess now 16 wins taken the last game, you're not even supposed to care if you win that game because yeah. it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, that's something that fans are supposed to care about. Yeah. But, like, players and coaches probably should not care yeah. about. Caring about it's very stupid. Um, but then getting that upset about a run play? Yeah. I mean, if they if they'd thrown the ball deep – or like run a play, action play, or something like that, or you know tried to score, maybe then you got upset. This wasn't even running up the score. This was just a run play, which is what you're supposed to do whenever you're trying to run down the clock. Well, apparently Har- Harbaugh like fired back in his press conference saying that like, hey, you guys were still passing the ball into the goal line with like ten seconds left, down yeah. like three scores. So it was like, what was that about? So it, yeah. very funny to me. I mean, if you don't like losing, then don't lose. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Anyway, that, that's, such a, that's such a perfect Vic Fangio thing to get upset about. Yeah. Just get off my lawn. Well, you know, he was in a bad mood from having to watch Drew Rock play football, yeah. so. Well, meanwhile, the upper echelon of the AFC West is playing tonight. We've got uh, the two misplaced teams, the uh, San Angeles Chargers versus the uh, Los, the Oakland. Los Oakland Raiders. <laughs> uh, the question is, can you fill a stadium full of two teams that have no fan bases? Ooh, okay, the Raiders have a fan base. It's just in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, who's... Where's going to, where, where, is this game in L.A.? Or, sorry, in, uh, in Vegas? I think it's in L.A. It's going to be so full of Raiders fans. Yeah. Like, it's going to be like the black hole. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But like, if, it, if this game... So when this game happens in Vegas, who's going to be there? There is no, there is no such thing as a San Diego Chargers fan anymore. Or, or Los Angeles Chargers, for that matter. So if if... The teams are traveling, the fans are traveling to Vegas to watch their favorite team play, but there are no fans of the Chargers. Who's going to be there? Is it just going to be like a, a random assortment of Vegas people who also like football? Wait, I'm confused. Are you saying that there's no Raiders fans in Vegas? Not really. Well, I mean, I think there is. More not, so than not, the Chargers have. Not really. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of down there together. But. I mean, if you're a Raiders fan, like you're... There are no casual Raiders fans. Like, you're really into it. Yeah. I'm excited for whenever we go to play there, because I think there will be quite a few Chiefs fans. Yeah. Um, let's see. I am much more of a believer in the Chargers. Um, you are a Raiders truther, I believe. Uh, I don't know about that. It's more like I just kind of... I think that John Gruden is perfect for that franchise. You know, That's true. From my perspective. But not... Yeah, not as a compliment. <laughs> no, not, not really a compliment, but... Just think he fits the Raiders perfectly. Yeah. So it's like I, I don't want him to do bad enough that he gets fired. Yeah, they've got such a track record of dysfunction, even with the, the people currently in charge, that I don't believe anything they're doing is sustainable. Yeah, I. 
my view on the Raiders long term is that like this is their peak right now. Yeah. This is their like version of a Super Bowl window. Mm-hmm. It's not really a Super Bowl window. But this is, I think, like as good as it's gonna get for them this season. Because they've made some terrible roster decisions, mm-hmm. draft picks, and that stuff's gonna catch up to them very quickly. Yeah, and like, you know, winning solves everything, but eventually they're going to rack up some losses and it'll be in predictably stupid fashion. And that's whenever all these cracks in, in the organization will start to show again. You'll have like uh what's that guy's name? Who's the GM? Mayock. Yeah, Mayock and Gruden will start blaming each other again in the press. It'll be great. Also, they've kind of rode this Thorno wave off the back of Derek Carr actually playing really good football, mm-hmm. which, as we all know, that's not going to last. No. And honestly, they, they're a little bit low-key like the Broncos, where like the games they've won so far have, have been against pretty inferior teams. Like Their best win is against the Ravens. Well, let's go through. They beat and the, the Ravens are very suspect to me, too. They beat the Ravens at home, mm-hmm. which is a very banged-up Ravens squad, but it's yeah. the same one that beat us. So, okay. That's a decent win. Mm-hmm. Uh, who they played next? It was the Steelers, right? Yeah. Which at the time, it was like, ooh, the Steelers, they beat the Bills. No. Not anymore. No. Not a very impressive win. And then their last one was a game against the Jacoby Brisket Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Which they required them to go to overtime to win. Yeah. So that's more of a moral loss in my mind. It would not surprise me if the Chargers blow out the Raiders tonight. Really wouldn't. Wow. I, I hope it'll be a good game. Because uh, one of them's got to lose, and that's going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, like, it just as a fan of football, it's two pretty exciting teams. But I think it's going to be high scoring. Yeah. A lot of points. I, I could see this being the week that the Raiders raider themselves. Yeah. It's Who coming. do you... So you think that the Chargers will win? Yeah, by two scores. I think I I think it will be a close game, but I also think the Chargers will win. Mm-hmm. Do you have a preference for who... I'll, I guess I'll say it this way. Do you prefer who... Have a preference for who loses? Um, the Raiders are undefeated, right? Yeah. So I guess the Chargers. I'd rather the Chargers win because then there'll be two, three, and one teams, and then we're just one game out of. Then no one will be undefeated in the yeah. division. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be one game yeah. out of first place. That makes sense. Although the Chargers do have, you know, at least right now they have the tiebreaker on us. Also, the Chargers have always been like the the rival I respected. You know, the Raiders are just they're the, they're the rival I hate completely. The Chargers are the rival I don't really hate, but I do respect. The Broncos are the rival that I both hate and respect. Yeah, I think maybe because my hardcore Chiefs fandom has happened mostly in the last four or five years or so, but I view it a little differently. Like, I don't really have the extreme animosity towards the Raiders because for most of my time they've been garbage. Um, So I think the Broncos are the team that I dislike the most. Also, the Broncos, they've been kind of like riding high ever since 2015, even mm-hmm. though their team has been really bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think the Broncos are the team I dislike I think most. the Broncos and the Raiders are both like, they've got such deep structural ineptitude that I'm not actually worried about them ever. Like, for as long as Mahomes is our quarterback, I'm not worried about either of those teams. The Chargers, though, uh, they've actually seemed to have assembled a pretty great team. Yeah, the Chargers are like long term probably the team I'm most worried about because it seems like they've got the guy at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think they actually hired a good coach, which is a little bit alarming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that they might be our biggest threat for the next few years. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll find out who wins tonight. Should be a good game. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on games this week? I know there's one big one that we well, watched last night, right? Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. We gotta talk about butts, bucks, packs. We gotta talk about the butts. Hold on, I'm so screwed up. This game (laughs) was just twisting my brain up so much because it was Tom Brady's team versus the Patriots, Mm -hmm. but the Patriots are Tom Brady's team. Yeah. So I get, I got so confused figuring out like who was playing against who, and it was messing with my mind. Yeah. It was a pretty good game. Um. Very, very wet, so like you didn't really feel like you got the whole Tom Brady experience because you just could not pass the ball in that weather. Yeah. I was pretty impressed with Mac Jones, honestly. Uh, it was okay. My thing is that like the entire Bucks secondary was injured, mm-hmm. so they're basically their second strainers was out there. So you, you got to like quantify that. But that's that to me is pretty telling about the Bucks and their their 
prospects for this year. They had amazing injury luck, especially for a team as veteran heavy as they are. And it's already starting to show cracks this year. Yeah, that's why I really don't think they'll be the NFC champion this year. I don't know who's going to be, but I don't think it'll be the Bucs. I don't think they'll be healthy enough. They look pretty beatable right now. They look extremely beatable by the Patriots, who like are they're, not a, a, they're a lower half team to me this year. Yeah. And this is after they lost to the Rams. So, yeah, I just I don't think. I mean, no one seems amazingly better than all the rest of the league this year. The Chiefs have flaws. The, the Bucks seem to have flaws. The Rams look like they might be, and then they laid an egg against the Cardinals. Yeah. So I think it feels like you just got a whole lot of parity across the league this year. Yeah, feels that way. Which is fun. It's more interesting. Yep. All right, so next uh, next podcast we'll have will be on record on Thursday. Drop probably Thursday, Friday, somewhere around that. Friday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll do a preview of the Bills game. We'll do a, maybe a little around the NFL, find out uh, who's for real and who's yeah, not at this little, uh, quarter and change point little, of the year. A little quarter season checkup on all the teams and divisions. Yeah, just to, to find out who's going to lose to the Chiefs, right? Hopefully, yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chiefs Bros. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Chiefs Bros. We'll talk to you later.